Colin, Goblin's Henchman here. So why do I like RPGs? I think there's two two things that I like about RPGs. One is the pure escapism, that sort of separation from reality. It's not it's not like my life is a litany of woe or anything, but I think when you you know when you're playing you're in a completely in a complete bubble that anything can happen. I mean I've always been attracted to uh, you know, fantasy films as a kid and all that sort of stuff, so I really, really enjoy that kind of element. And I think the bit I really, really, really like about RPGs are the surprises. When that thing happens that the players do that you just did not expect, so where the DM's creativity interacts with the player in, uh, creativity in a synergistic way to create something completely un unexpected, and um, and that, that, that's the best bit, and I, I suspect the players also know when that happens too, because the DM probably gets excited. That's my bit. Cheers. Hello, I'm Colin Green, and you are listening to Spike Pit, episode 287. Time for another podcast. This episode is basically a collection of callings loosely themed around this idea of thinking reflection inspiration and it's that that magic that happens when you're a, a role player you you're doing perhaps a bit of a mundane task and your mind drifts away the first message from Goblin's Henchman might seem like a bit of an odd choice, but I've opened with that because clearly he's been reflecting on a podcast of mine that he listened to. He's given it some thought. He's made a calling, and listening back to that calling, um, it's caught me in a different way to when I first listened to it. And... I, f I think that is uh, quite fascinating. And I don't exactly know what's going on in my mind and, and why that has happened. But it's it's probably to do with outside influences. So I'm in a slightly different state of mind, say, when I've listened to it and it's struck a different chord. This time, I think it's poignant to me because this idea of escapism being in a hobby where you can escape, being in a bubble. Um, the second part of the message, not so much. It's about surprises, and I've heard that in a very sort of similar way to the first time I've heard it. I love to play for the surprises, playing to find out what happens, the emergent story and all that stuff. But the first part, going back to that, I I'm wondering, you know, with the engagement that I've got on the internet recently and stuff like that, I'm wondering if RPGs lose a little bit of the magic when they get caught up with the more negative things that go on. It it it, it ruins it for me. I I when I read the Lord of the Rings and looked at orcs, uh, and, and learnt about orcs, I should say, I I would was not making a comparison to real-world cultures. 
yeah, I was five or six, having The Hobbit read to me, and just just took it for what it is. Um, these goblins and these creatures down in the darkness, and it it kind of disappoints me that people that could probably get on in real life fine are going to war over things like orcs and goblins um i don't know man i just don't get it and sometimes i despair of it all i really do so i would say where where is the escapism the only way to escape from that is just to cut yourself off and then you know that ultimately that that's going to lead to ignorance and is that because people can't have a sensible discussion without going to war over it man hi colin goblin's henchman here um i just got thinking about um my last message which was about why i like rpgs and then it started making me think about sort of a related but sort of a sort of almost a sort of the flip of that which is you know what have RPGs done for me, you know, other than just, you know, why I like them. Um, so I, I, I personally had a pretty disrupted education growing up as a kid. My parents moved around a lot all over the world. And uh, when I picked up that DM's guide for the first time and started planning out a dungeon, that was probably the first time in my life that I ever sat down and concentrated on something, you know, thought... I need to produce this thing, I need to put some monsters in here, I want them to be about the right level, I've got to put some treasure in, all that kind of stuff. Um was really, I think for me, quite formative in, in taking a disciplined approach, not in a negative, you know, like rigid approach, but, you know, first time, a bit of structure. Okay, cheers. So the follow-up from Goblin's Henchman, then it's dragged me out of the darkness in, into the light, I feel, getting a little bit too heavy, and uh, I, I, I realise now there's probably a few things I need to address on the podcast, but I think I'm going to do that in a separate episode. The what has an RPG done for you thinking? Distinctly remember coming out of primary school, our teacher who was promoted to the head teacher was really, really pro rpgs he saw great value in exactly those things that um, mr henchman is talking about that that focus how kids that previously maybe didn't engage with books were getting their imaginations captured and they, they were getting sucked into these imaginary worlds and really engaging with learning and um literacy numeracy perhaps in a sort of somewhat unorthodox way which may be rubbed up some of the establishment in the wrong way um, in particular i've heard quite a few people say john large quite recently on on a recent episode of red dice diaries he'd mentioned how the satanic panic never really affected him and, you know, in, in the UK, as far as he understood, we, we were largely unaffected. I've heard, I think, Shay Webster say the same thing. But where I live, man, my group got shut down 
by the satanic panic. So not everybody appreciated RPGs. This was because of uh, a certain American called Billy Graham. I believe he was uh, some kind of preacher man. I, I, I can't remember the ins and outs of it, but he, his writing was quite influential with a number of church groups around where I live. And that influence rubbed onto the parents. Consequently, we were um, we were kind of youngish, 13, 14. Uh, and if your parents disapproved, that was enough to shut your group down. And to this day, I'll drive p past the church in question and it, it will always get the bad stare from me as I recall the course of events. Ah, didn't I say this was supposed to be on a lighter note? Good grief. Um, not sure where this episode is going, guys, but thinking about the next call-in, it's not about to get much better very quickly. Colin, it's Chris Shorb calling in. I'm listening to, I think, episode 87. That was the one where you were talking about a West Marches campaign that was more like a landing party campaign or an away missions campaign. And boom, you've done it. You've set, you've created my frame for the West Marches campaign that I've been wanting to, to do for a long time. An unknown continent, maybe an unknown large island, and the group is required to travel around and go in and, and see what there is to see and uh, maybe the they work for a colonizing empire but maybe things don't quite go as they expect it to and so uh, really interested and um yeah i think that's something i want to i want to try out anyways have a great day bye so chris is going through the back catalog and he's talking about an episode where i was suggesting you could run a campaign from a base on a ship so rather than having a, a hometown, you you have a, a large vessel that becomes the effectively the hometown, except the importance different the, the important difference being that it can move around. This allows you to do this kind of um, drop in, drop out style of play where there is a a cast of characters potentially all on this ship and then depending on who turns up for a session they form an uh, away team or landing party and go and explore a place where the ship has kind of thrown down its anchor this allows you to kind of maybe do episodic play you could get into a kind of a, a consistent campaign with it You've got this bit of flexibility for making time pass, which, of course, you can do in any game, but if you're voyaging from place to place, it becomes quite easy to say, well, um, you were here last week, this time a month has passed and you have travelled to this place, or whatever. And I just thought it sounded like quite an interesting idea. I'm glad that, that Chris enjoyed that little bit of inspiration and I wish him all the best in his campaign however because of the mood i'm in it's kind of a day of reflecting on things 
I'm wondering, you know, can we do this uh, kind of col- col- colonial kind of colonisation type of theme? Or uh, is that not cool? Can you not do these things? Will Will you be sneered at and derided for suggesting such a thing? And honestly, man, I do not know. Um, living in a country that has been invaded and occupied multiple times, to this day, we never got rid of the Normans. The French invasion of 1066, they took over the country, um, robbed the previous folk of their lands through strength of arms, divided it up amongst themselves and the uh, the the people that occupied the land before were subjugated, uh, predominantly the Anglo-Saxons, who were in their own right, they'd come along, subjugated the people before them. So I often think to myself, where does that leave like English who are my ancestors? Are my ancestors the invaders? Um, am I? Have I got indigenous roots? And it's so mixed up here, it becomes kind of difficult to get upset about ideas of colonisation. It just seems to be something that happens. Um, it would be nice, I think, and right if there were indigenous cultures across the planet that that um, got their lands back or um, could hang on to their cultures and we we talk about endangered cultures and things and oftentimes like the British Empire they've done a whole bunch of bad stuff but I I, I wonder why why did they do that were they somehow because of all the we were constantly fighting and at war is that what led to the the british becoming what they become which is basically pretty warlike um backed into a little corner and then they developed this navy and these boats and then then sailed out across the world and and more or less dished out what they'd received, or were they 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 just like the greedy Normans? Was it the greedy Normans that that took power in 1066, not content with what they had? Their um, ancestors become more and more greedy, and that led to the British Empire. I don't know, I don't know, but I tell you what, there's no shortage of. Um, terrible tales and subjugation, the lands taken from the people, the enclosures, that the common man in this country has never had an easy ride. And I think sometimes people look at the British and kind of want to blame us as a nation, for stuff that basically the fat cats and the ruling elite got up to. Um, and I don't think that's fair. 
because I come from a country that once had an empire, somehow we all get tarred with the same brush. Yo, dude, so I was watching the new episode of that streaming show on YouTube that you're in, the one that John from Red Dice Diary runs. I forget the name, man. Uh, but now would be a perfect time for you to do some self-promotion. <laughs> uh, but you say something that's probably just a throwaway line, but it got my mind thinking, and I'd love to hear you talk more about it if you're interested. At one point, sort of towards the beginning of the game, before the first break, you had failed the role, and you and John are sort of talking about it, and you say, you're about to say something, and then you stop, and you say something like, I, I shouldn't tell you what I was hoping for. And yeah, I was just wondering, like... I get it. Like, does that, does, would you, does a player telling the dungeon master what they want, does that shape the game in a way uh, that maybe it shouldn't? Or I don't know. It just, it got me thinking, man. So anyway, that's it. Peace out. So Joe's talking about um, John Large's Midlands game, which I played in over on Red Dice Diaries. For a long time, we was playing with the Castles and Crusades, then we switched over to ICRPG, and then, spoiler alert, we all got killed. <laughs> After about, I think it was about three sessions, it might have only been two, playing ICRPG. My character fell asleep on watch. Well, I say he fell asleep. He basically, being a crazy goblin, didn't decide that doing a, a nighttime watch was for him. And uh, probably everything would be all right if you just had a quick snooze. Well, it wasn't all right. And it led to a downward spiral of luck that resulted in everybody being killed. So that campaign is over. And uh, we await John's decision as to what's happening next. Looks like we might be playing OSE. The episode that Joe's referring to... and the bit of uh, the bit of action that's got him thinking was we were inside a manor and my character uh, kind of wanted to do something and I had a clear idea in mind but I, I couldn't really express it because I would be telegraphing information to the other players now this is a, a, a weird thing that in my own mind, I'm quite particular about. I I don't want to lead my fellow players just because I've got a plan or my character is up to something. And whilst it would be fine to explain what I intended to do to the DM, I've got no problem with that. It's not one of the situations where you sometimes get players keep things secret from the 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 person running the game because they there's like this little bit of an adversarial thing whereby quite commonly when we were youngsters we'd have this you as players you you kept secrets from the dm about your intention so that they couldn't screw you over this wasn't that but if you say oh i want to go down the corridor for such and such a purpose if you then fail in your purpose the other players could just um follow your lead when maybe they wasn't going to do that and 
I don't I don't want I don't want to influence the the story in that way. So sometimes I have to kind of I feel that I've got to keep what I'm trying to achieve to myself. So I don't know if there's a better way of doing that or or do you just do it and, and, and don't worry about its effect on the other players? You know, because by and large People that I play with, they seem to be able to separate their player knowledge from character knowledge. But when the when the um, the heat is really turned up and you maybe got a difficult encounter, it's ve- it's very tempting not to follow. Uh, it's very tempting to follow a good idea if it's going to keep your character alive and keep you as a player in the game. And does that make you a munchkin? Does that mean you're a, a min-maxer or, or some other thing like that? Are you a meta-gamer? I don't know. So to avoid all that, if I keep what I'm planning to myself, uh, it, that removes the temptation, even though it can cause a few other problems. So I don't know what you think of that, folks. I hope that answers Joe's question. And thanks for the call in, man. Hey, Colin, Jason here, just listening to 276 downtime. And, yeah, I, I don't even know if the players really need to show up early. I think showing up early is best used for just social chatter and just catching up with each other. But you could dedicate the first 15 minutes of a session to doing the downtime things you're talking about and easily do that. So, okay, let's get down. Time to play the game now. And um, so what did you do the last week? Let's roll on this and, you know, just knock it out real quick. I, I don't think that'd be an issue. So, you know, for people that are busy, like Shandy, Andy, and myself, that way it wouldn't be a problem. And and like I say, usually that before the game session is more just catching up and social chatter anyway and gameplay stuff. I also want to mention to you that as my life gets back to somewhat of a normal thing, hopefully I'll get to run a couple shorter campaigns or one shots here coming up you know one to two two to three session games or one shots and so who knows maybe we'll get to play again i'd love to play in one of your games and i've always enjoyed when you're a player of mine so talk to you soon so responding to jason i actually decided on taking the downtime and putting it at the end of the session as a kind of a, a housekeeping issue when we're tying up any loose ends from the session, maybe kicking around a few ideas for what folk want to happen on the next session seems like a good idea to throw in a few downtime moves, stuff like that. So that's what I went with. I, I've i tried it at the beginning and I've tried it kind of between sessions and things like that. And for various reasons, it, it doesn't seem to work so well. The... The one downside with at the end of a session is sometimes people are kind of like a little bit worn out and and maybe they're tight for time and they've got to get off. So there is that difficulty. But I like my sessions to kick off kind of hard with some action and and get going straight away. It, It sort of seems a little bit weak doing downtime or something wishy-washy at the start 
but perfectly valid. Of course, your mileage may vary. And as for the second part of Jason's calling, I've actually made a, a sort of um, landmark decision in my own mind over the last few days. And uh, I'm going to do some gaming with the pit crew. They're my patrons, uh, the Spike Pit patrons, lovingly referred to as the pit crew. And I'm going to be running a session of Sorcerers and Cell Swords, which is uh, an adaptation of Lasers and Feelings that uh, my old buddy, uh, fellow podcaster, Ray Otis, uh, put together some time back. I think it might have been 2016 or 17, something like that. Could be totally wrong on that one. It's a kind of weird fantasy, 70s, psychedelia, Fundar, the barbarian. I always picture a little bit of maybe He-Man or, or something like that. Uh, Labyrinth. He, he cites a few influences in his adaptation. I'm going to run a, a two-hour session of that on the 8th for the 8th for the pit crew. At the time of recording, I've got one slot left. And uh, if you're listening, Jason, and you can make it on the 8th, you could get some of that gaming in uh, that you were talking about in your message. Likewise to any other of the pit crew, jump on there, register your interest. It's a trial. I've never run a game online for anybody other than my home group. So I'm... straying into uncharted waters i've played a bunch of raised games before this is going to be a one shot uh, it's totally self-contained so i'm I'm pretty stoked uh, pretty anxious but in a kind of um excited kind of way as well I had some fun putting together a little promo on my patreon page which is a, a piece of art that ray did for his for his adaptation and it's he's got these uh, really wild eye-catching colors um, so that was fun and i felt kind of uh i felt almost organized doing all this <laughs> but uh there you go thanks everybody who's called in it's impossible to do the show without you um a big thanks to the pit crew for the ongoing support you keep me going and growing especially when uh, i've been feeling a little bit down on the hobby this this idea of running this game has given me a bit of boost uh, and knowing that people want to jump in on the game is is encouraging too and last but not least i want to say a big thank you to you the listener for taking time out of your day to listen to old spike pit take care and i'll catch you later